a good afternoon and it's great to be here today of course this is our special edition of urban health beat i'm john harris and i'll be your host and guide for well until six o'clock this evening and uh in our quest to uh gain some information and you know and to move further into self-awareness we're going to uh, explore emotional clearing with john ruskan and it's a subject that i'm really excited about because the fact that this is one of the primary i guess prerequisites for moving on into this next millennium We've got to conquer uh, our emotions somehow deal with them very very important now, we are suspended in a society in a, in a world where you know our emotions dictate so much many people find themselves stuck in a life without much warmth or love suspended in a world where we worry about money perhaps pushing ourselves to do our jobs some of us have experienced a turned off marriage maybe several turned off marriages you know we um, teeter from anxiety to sexual restlessness boredom loneliness fear resentment hatred frustration worry jealousy irritation that causes headaches and ulcers and even high blood pressure and uh, we have a general feeling of uneasiness about interacting with people a mistrust you know this is the malaise we find ourselves in and boy what a high price price do we pay for all of this you know of course when we don't handle our emotions properly it is essentially the lost inner peace that uh, becomes a high price tag for us and i would say as much as 90 to 95 percent of physical illnesses are psychological in origin and modern medicine has almost um, tried to eliminate to some degree uh, diseases at least in their own minds and of course they haven't done a great job because orthodox medicine has essentially failed us in the treatment of chronic disease but we know that emotional control you know it's just like uh, we have people who are off the hook here so this afternoon we're going to explore the whole question of emotional clearing with John Ruskan and he is of course ha has a, a tremendous book which has been a new age bestseller for for some time now but unfortunately i don't think it has reached all of the people that it should reach and of course it hasn't done you know um well it hasn't entered into the lives of the people that i think need to have this book so we're going to uh, explore this self-help therapy guide without further ado i'd like to introduce john ruskan to you john how are you Hi, John. I'm great. I'm here. I'm delighted to be able to take part in this uh, effort for WBAI. We really welcome your input on today's programming. And, of course, we're going to do ourselves some justice here by acquainting ourselves with some of, I think, some of the most critical material of our time. In, in fact, the challenge for us is to deal with the emotions that have caused, you know, so much pain and heartbreak over the years for people, uh, led us to so many illusions. And so we're going to try to... to uh, you know, basically demystify the process of integrative processing, you know? And I just want to start with this. Um, what is integrative processing? What is the integrative process? That's the name that I've given to the particular system or 
synthesis that uh, I put together that constitutes my approach for um, understanding the emotional side of ourselves and for working with it successfully. Now, let's look, kind of underline what the importance is. Uh, and, of course, we, we're here in, of course, the, the late 90s. And we're approaching perhaps a changing of the guard, so to speak. Uh, many people talk about the new millennium. And, of course, we're, we're going into a new age. Why is it important for us to uh, challenge uh, this whole emotional uh, abyss we find ourselves in? You know, that's a good question, John. I I see working with the emotions as the the coming the coming thing in terms of our own personal and maybe even global evolution. What we try to do in our spiritual work often is to go right for the the spiritual level and to achieve what we what corresponds to our conception of being a spiritual person, which often means being in a place of bliss, happiness, um, uh, unconditional love, and so on. But we try to get to that point by bypassing the emotional level. And for me, and actually in my work, it was a real important realization that I had to go through the emotional level, the next plane up from the material plane, and work with all these feelings in a really significant way instead of just thinking that I can bypass them, avoid them, and jump right to the spiritual. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we have a toll to pay in a sense, and we just can't skip past emotions. I, I think it's the last frontier for many of us. You know, so many things that happen to us uh, in our lifetime, you know, emotions are at the core of it. I mean, things that we do, maybe perhaps the people we marry, you know, the kind of job we hold, you know, the, 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 the kind of idiosyncrasies we have, all have a basis in, in our emotions on one level or another. Yeah, it's really important. And, and of course, uh, Western psychology has been addressing this issue of uh, emotional health for a long time. But what I feel like uh, was important to my own work and what I feel like I do in the book is to present an East-West approach. There are a lot of very powerful concepts and tools that the, that the East has to offer that can be implemented in a, uh, a self-help program of emotional health. And in many cases, the, uh, the concepts of the West are, are somewhat, uh, you know, not as advanced, I find, as some of the concepts in the East in terms of understanding the inner process, the emotional process, and very subtle concepts such as acceptance when applied to the emotional state. How does that, how does that impinge on our, on our health and so on? So putting those two together, East and West, enabled me to really go, go to great leaps in my own work. And this was starting 10 years ago. Of course, I've been on the path since the, the late 60s. But what I was trying to do was just aim for the spiritual and avoid the emotional, as I just said. And it was only about 10 years ago I realized I really had to engage the emotional. Hmm to make significant progress. You know, some people in the West um, feel that they've made progress by simply switching, um, you know, shifting gears, so to speak. In other words, you know, when we are mired in materialism, some people will leap out of a material posture, let's say, into a spiritual one or into one that, uh, you know, there may be some other things that they they shift their attention to, mm -hmm. but only experience the same problems, you know, um, directly or indirectly, but in another mode of functioning. 
Yes, yes. Uh, I think it's generally, this is probably, I think, uh, something that we all go through. I, I know I did, and I think it's probably part of the awakening process. You're, when you have materialistic goals uh, and you're deeply immersed in them and you, and you realize how limiting they are, it's our natural inclination, especially in uh, Western society where we are so goal-oriented, that conditioning of goal orientation goes very deep, and we tend to immediately apply that same orientation towards spiritual goals. And we want to get there now. You know, we want to get rid of certain parts of ourselves that we think are uncomfortable, and we want to achieve what we think will be basically comfortable for ourselves, which we now, which we now perceive as, uh, or, or conceptualize as a spiritual ideal. So it's a good step. It gets you in the way. Uh, gets you on the way, but the the ultimate spiritual stance is is one of really uh, going past goals, moving into acceptance again of experience as it is, and bringing that to an emotional level, accepting and experiencing emotions as they are, as the uh, the primary route to uh, growth on this level. Mm-hmm. You know when you um, you know. My own experience is that I started in the advertising community basically on Madison Avenue. And there it seems as though the, the goal was to have, you know, the, the house in the country, you know, 2.3 kids, uh, two cars in the garage. You know, uh, every, every year you look forward to having a promotion with a lot more salaries. And you basically, um, you eat what you kill. You know, on Madison Avenue, you know? And, um, you know, I began to realize early on that, um, you know, I would look at people who had essentially, um, you know, put their put their whole inner life on hold, you know, to meet these outer goals. It was almost as if people were in form, but not understanding what substance is. Yeah, and many times we do that, and I see this a lot with the clients that I work with, we, you know, we, we become attracted to material goals simply because we were not ready to confront ourselves emotionally. And there's often not only resistance about confronting ourselves emotionally, but often the, the impression that it's not important to do that, and often great fear about just coming in contact with our real feelings. And that fear, uh, you know, drives people into the materialistic lifestyle. They get caught up in career and work, and and those things are important too. You know, we do experience growth in in in, in uh, career objectives, in learning how to become assertive, in in uh, making contribution to society, and mm-hmm. experience experiencing validation on that level. But if it's done at the expense of and as an alternative to going into a deep, uh, really, communion with ourselves and our emotional selves, especially, then we start getting into trouble. You know, the acquisition of things um, becomes um, first and foremost for a lot of people. I mean, instead of, um, you know, making spiritual uh, headway, and making spiritual milestones. Yeah. Maybe my goal is to get a new Mercedes, or maybe it's to, you know, to, to get some outer thing in our lives. And then after a time, that thing doesn't mean very much to us anymore. We, we seem compelled to, to go on to the next thing 
and then the next thing. Yeah. You know, something we're rooted in this, you know, the next promotion doesn't mean much. And no matter how much I run towards this goal that's outside of myself, you know, I really can't make myself fulfilled or happy. You know, I mean, how much education can you get? You know, I mean, you just keep going back. And every time you get a degree, you say, wow, I, I still don't feel right, even though I'm I'm a doctor now. You know, I have a number of uh, sheepskins on my wall, but something's wrong. Maybe I need more education. And for the person who is into the acquire, acquiring money, you know, uh, every time they make another $100,000, you know, there's, it's just empty. You know, what, what's what's usually happening there? When we're driven after materialistic goals, usually there's an emotional component to it. For example, we, we could be driven by fear. Uh, the sense of lack on a survival center is what compels many of us in this endless, uh, you know, chase after material goods. Or looking at what we call power center needs, the need for significance, recognition, drives us to attain and to, to get that recognition. But what we, what we uh, experience is that even though we attain the goals, let's say we get the, the money on the, on, the, on the survival level, or we get the uh, recognition on the uh, significance level, what we find is that on the emotional plane, those negative feelings that were compelling us still do not go away. We still feel the insecurity, you know, the, the sense of lack. We still feel the sense of insignificance, even though we've attained what we uh, think we need to satisfy those, those feelings. So what we're doing is, actually, we're sort of engaged in a spiritual quest or an emotional quest, but we're, we're trying to satisfy it on the material level. Hmm. And my whole, uh, or one of the principles of this whole orientation to processing is to understand that we're wrapped up in a dualistic pattern in, in both of these examples that I've just given. For example, there's we're, what we're trying to do is avoid the negative experience by chasing after the positive. And we think that the positive will provide the antidote for the negative, but it never does. What we need to do is to confront and face those negative sides of ourselves directly, integrate, work with those sides directly, and then when we do that, we no longer have this compulsive need to chase after money or after relationships or after significance because those negative feelings that were driving us compulsively have now been, uh, you know, taken care of. Hmm. So that's a very important beginning insight into what motivates us into all these different things and how we can start working on an inner level with those same emotional motivations, deal with them in an inner way instead of being driven by them and achieve inner integration and peace. And then, you know, uh, usually when we're at peace within ourselves and we're not driven, we often find that we get what we need. You know, we're happy with what we have. We're in a relationship without being compulsive. We get the amount of significance, or we understand uh, recognition in terms of contribution instead of uh, recognition, instead of just uh, ego gratification. So we take it to a higher level. You know, in, in your book, um, and there's, you start with an introduction about the art of loving yourself. 
you know and really and I found that significant because so many of us um, you know are in this this world where you you learn to to make a living but you don't learn how to live and you don't know how to love yourself and accept yourself you know can you lay out for us what the ritual is of working on oneself well the, uh, I mean just starting with with the idea of loving yourself that that's a tremendously uh, potent concept and uh, <clears throat> it's often discussed you know in, in new age or psychological terminology my particular understanding of it you know often we think loving ourselves just means being good to ourselves being nice to ourselves it's very easy to confuse loving yourself with just pampering yourself or just um, just yielding to uh, these ego needs, uh, going after what you think you need, um, it can be an excuse for selfishness, mm -hmm. or it can be it can be taken to let's say a pseudo emotional level where we think that we have to generate these these uh, kind feelings about of ourselves, and we may even try to condition ourselves by let's say thinking loving thoughts, uh, which is uh, actually part of you know, many, many spiritual traditions, but, and, and may actually have a place in inner work, but if that's the only approach we have, if we just try to think loving thoughts about ourselves or other people, we're still not addressing the negative stuff that's within. Loving yourself is the same as accepting yourself. And accepting yourself is most relevant when it's taken to an emotional level. Mm -hmm. And accepting yourself on an emotional level means to finally say it's okay that I'm angry it's okay that I'm afraid it's okay that I'm really sad it's okay that I feel insignificant that I have these sexual compulsions it means accepting and opening to all these feelings that we usually and have been conditioned to just resist, mm -hmm. turn away, you know, escape from the very act of opening to them and learning, you know, learning that that can be done safely. That it doesn't mean that you're that you're opening yourself to misery. On, on the contrary, it means opening yourself to a tremendous experience of integration and when i say integration i mean contacting yourself coming into contact with yourself and in psychology we talk about the split off parts of ourselves and how one of the, the goals is to bring these split off parts back into integration in order to achieve a whole or holistic experience and in order to become holistic in order to become whole we need to reclaim, to welcome back these, you know, what we perceive as painful parts of ourselves mm. in such a way that, and doing it in such a way that makes it manageable and, and not overwhelming. And the interesting thing is, is that many of these parts of ourselves that we perceive as painful are painful only because of our mindset towards them. And it's actually the act of resistance, and re resistance is often unconscious, but it's the act of resistance which creates most of the pain towards many of these feelings and situations. When we learn how to open to ourselves, 
the, the, our threshold of pain changes. We don't experience the same kind of pain. And we move into this, this experience of accepting ourselves. We have a concrete experience. It becomes something very tangible when you start accepting a feeling and it, that you were previously rejecting about yourself or condemning yourself for. Some people may not even realize that they're rejecting themselves. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and basically stuffing these feelings in, in a corner deep absolutely. inside themselves. Yeah. There, when, when, we, uh, when we have no consciousness of the feeling, it's, it's generally called repression. The feeling does not even come into consciousness, and it becomes pushed back automatically, where it becomes what we call part of the subconscious. Mm-hmm. And if, but if we become aware of a feeling and then we we consciously avoid it it's called suppression it means that we're deliberately pushing back the feeling but you're right most of us don't have the awareness of the extent to which we do this and that's part of what starts coming into awareness as you start working with yourself along these lines you start becoming aware of the amount of feeling that uh, you know, is really there and how you are treating yourself and mistreating yourself, really. 